how to do glitch hop sound design. What's up, Dot Nation? Welcome to this week's episode of In the Daw with AU5 breaking down his unreleased track, Swordfish. Which, by the way, this is a special Halloween episode where we all dressed up except for AU5 who dressed up as himself. In this episode, you're going to learn about how to process female vocals, how to use Foley to breathe life into your music, layering your drums, playing call and response with basses, and of course, how to do glitch hop sound design. And finally, this episode is sponsored by the AU5 and In the Daw sound design course called The School of Bass. If you want to learn more about that, we're going to talk about that at the end of the episode but Daw Nation let's get into this week's episode and go in the Daw right now. The beginning of the song starts out like this. So that is this serum right here. Sounds a lot cooler than I remembered it. Uh, I got some <laughs> overdrive EQ on it, turn that off. So let's check out what this is made of. So this sound, let's see. I got a filter on there. Okay, this is like a low pass square and I'm using sync window full to kind of like fade the edges and make it more of like a even harmonic -y saw tooth sound. So I just want to hear what this sounds like without all of this junk on it. It's true to form with you, dude. We're like the beginning of the sound just sounds terrible. And yeah. then <laughs> I mean, how I'm walking through the sound disclaimer is not necessarily a representation of my workflow. A lot of times it's like doing effects and then backtracking and affecting the oscillator kind of thing. But yeah, so yeah, we got this low pass saw sound with a little bit of a, uh, a pluck on the very small 24 millisecond decay pitch modulation. I added a triangle wave. It's a little bit detuned sounding because I have the fine down like minus eight. I just wanted to give it a little bit more oh, of a, yeah. a fullness delay. I'm not using ping pong. I'm using the right channel is dotted eighth and the left channel is quarter notes. Reverb. Multiband. EQ. Just to cut out the, those lows. And then I had this filter on here. But what's, what's going on is I have LFO2 modulating the pan position and the cutoff. So that's why it has like that stereo phasery effect. I have overdrive that's being automated. Yeah, and in the section further down the line, it gets more intense. And then EQ8 cutting off some of those extra low frequencies. You don't want, you don't I love the wetness of that sound, like underwater. Yeah, this whole song is basically like an underwater theme, hence the name Swordfish. And also, you gotta set your BPM if you're doing, you know, glitch up to one 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 <laughs> i don't know why i did that <laughs> but uh it's gonna be a little tricky for djs if they don't watch this and if they're trying to mix that in so then this sound i'm pretty stoked about i'm doing like a lot of like more ambient foley type sound design in this song compared to a lot of my other songs i want to keep it interesting even though it's a very you know subdued sounding song overall so then there's this sound And so what that is, that is a resampled version of this original sound. So this is a sound design jam that I did, which looks like it is about nine minutes long. It was called Trippy Drone 2. I don't remember making this. If you want to know more about what a bass jam is and how you can utilize it and really take your sound design to the next level, check out the school bass link in the description. Also, we'll talk about it at the end of the episode. Yeah, let's keep going. Yeah, man, sound design jams are the way to build a huge repertoire of really unique stuff. Yes. And it's fun because it's totally non-committed. Uh, you just record and just tweak knobs endlessly without limits. So the original sound uh, was just this one stem. It's just, it was just this drone. 
And what I ended up doing was I cut up, cut it up into different clips, and then I changed the play position of the uh, the playhead position of each one of these clips, and also changed the transpose, I believe, for some of these, maybe. So you have it on repitch mode for that? Maybe is that what you're using there, or? I do have it on repitch mode. I don't know why I have it on repitch mode. Because I see one of them is at 156 for the segment BPN. May have been tuning it manually by ear. Yeah. When, you, when you stretch it out, then you can tune it manually. This is the foundation of the song, essentially. And so playing this through, you can get a sense of like how I cut things up and the progression that it created. So that's the foundation of that. I resampled that and then, well, I did some EQing and then auto filter. I resampled that and then repitched the entire thing. Minus three semitones. I decided I didn't want it in such a low key. I wanted an E flat instead of D flat. And the sound evolves over time. Throw some uh, auto filter and uh, side chain compression on there. And yeah, then I have stuff down here in the bases. This is like the main first bass. It's very simple. This is an operator, sine wave, and a little bit of pitch enveloping. And I think that's really it. I think it is on PRD mode. It might make, maybe there's a little bit of drive on there somewhere. Yeah, it's the filter drive. Yep. So yeah, I have a little bit of filter drive on there. I just wanted to get like a sort of like an 8080 effect, but just something even like chiller than that. Like no no punchy attack. There's a little bit of vocal ambience, which is really just the vocal stem that I got from Nori. Just reverbed out and filtered. So this section, the drums that come in here, I got this Foley pack from, uh, I think Alden Evoke, or who's now goes by Alden Groves. I wanted to use a whole lot of stuff that was in that pack. I think a lot of this Foley in, in this percussion is from that pack. So the main one is just kick two, which I think is awesome. I really like add a little bit more harmonic. So it's just a, a little bit more like saturated sounding, but also not like too subby. A nice thumpy sound without it being too subby. This rim shot is actually from a very old Vengeance Essential House pack with some Valhalla Room, some high pass EQ. I also, I'm topping off this entire drum rack with this macro that I made called Drum Clipper. The principle behind this was I want to make the drums as loud as possible. And by doing that, I like using soft clip. It doesn't kill transients. It flattens them out, but they still sound loud. I macroed the make up gain which is responsible for really pushing that soft clip the signal goes like to the makeup gain first and then it goes to the soft clipper so the more you trump the makeup gain the more it clips i wanted to create like a gain matching kind of thing like you find in, in limiters where it's like you can crank the gain but your output is the same loudness taking the utility and just mapping the makeup gain and the utility gain just inversely correlated. So it's like plus 2dB on the makeup gain, minus 2dB on the um, utility. And it's really cool because that lets you really create a lot of headroom. And this works for any sound. It's not just for drums, basses or anything. Basically, if you turn this up, as you can see, it's gonna turn up the makeup gain and turn down the utility gain. To your ears, it's gonna sound like it's the same volume. And so it's a lot easier for me to determine how hard I can clip something 
before it starts to before the sound starts to actually like sound distorted in a bad way if you can saturate all of your sounds just to the point where it sounds where it still sounds good you're going to give yourself a lot more headroom and everything's just going to mix better and you're going to be able to push your limiter at the end much louder you're basically like increasing the perceived loudness of the instruments themselves is that what i'm getting from that without actually increasing the volume of it with the soft flipper in a way yeah um, i'm creating something that sounds just as loud but is reducing headroom killing transients and soft saturating peaks this other piece of foley i have a lot of stuff going on here so bear with me um okay yeah so it looks like the only thing that's being used this little clock tick so i made this song back in 2016 which is three years ago i really enjoyed using i found this pack that had a lot of clock ticks i really like the sound of like the percussive but also natural nature of clock ticks. I use that a lot in Divinorum album in Infinite Wings and Stargate. You can particularly hear it. Uh, and then I have this contact, which is which is really subtle. I don't I think it may be automated into the next part. Yeah, it's just a simple studio drummer kit for like natural sounding percussion. Epic contact keys. So something that I like doing, obviously, I, I like uh, using contact library Alicia's keys. If you use a keyboard, like a like a piano sound, piano sampler, run it through overdrive so it really crunches it up, and then I'm EQing out some mids. But then if you just slam it with like a ton of like long reverb and compress the crap out of it, it's a really nice layer that seems to be able to like penetrate through any any mix. Like I use this a lot a lot in my drops. Wherever you hear a piano layered in the drop, usually it's like extremely overdriven and then reverb, but you don't actually hear the distorted artifacts of the overdrive because they're kind of being drowned out by everything else. It's more like a compressor at that point, like more like a spectral compressor, a multiband compressor in how it practically functions in the mix. But I think it sounds overall better this way than just using something because like, it adds more harmonics and it just levels everything else out. I mean, it's the same principle as like using a soft clipper for saturating. It's like you can make something sound louder, but it, it gives you more headroom. So there's less dynamics in it. Like you, you don't hear that top end buzz in the mix. So how I do my vocals is I'll usually do the cleanup phase in the individual tracks. Cleanup being like pitch correction, the low cut to get out like rumble and stuff. And then I will group however many vocal tracks I'm, or layers I'm, uh, I'm using. I'll group them together and then that's when I'll do the main processing on everything. And as you can see, there's quite a bit of stuff going on here. Without it, it's going to sound pretty dynamic. It's very dry as well. So the first thing I do, I use, this is an old Waves GSR. I don't use this anymore because I just use Ableton compressor with a sidechain filter. It's the same thing. And I can see myself getting... So yeah, this is just cutting out the tops. Then it's compressing even more. And then for some reason, I'm using another DSR, I think just for like higher frequencies. I want these vocals to really sparkle, but also like not be too dynamic. I want them to sound really bright and also really present too, because these harder sections. The instrumentation is just so like subdued sounding. I I felt like the vocal really should be the lead here. So then I'm using Ozone 5. So here's what it sounds like without Ozone. And I can see myself getting lost with you. And here's what it sounds like with Ozone. 
And I can see myself getting lost with Very gentle eye shelf just to boost some stuff. I'm using a little bit of ozone reverb. The ozone exciter, I'm just, I'm cranking that air band right there and then pulling down the mix a bit. They really do cut through pretty well. I find that all your vocals just seem to cut right through the mix regardless of the amount of, like your mix is always very full because there's a lot going on, but the vocals always literally seem to stay right there and you, they're very... Like you can always hear what they're saying, even with the reverb and all that kind of stuff. Ozone Exciter particularly really, really hits home for that kind of stuff. I like using either the tube or the triode mode. The triode is a little bit more sharper sounding than tube. Tube can sound kind of fuzzy sometimes, but yeah. the triode, it really brightens the top end really well. And I'll still use Ozone 5 triode for mastering. For some reason, I tried the like later Ozones for uh, Ozone Exciters and even just having it on by default, I, th I don't think the crossovers are transparent. Like it sounds just very different, even if you mm. have it on without anything going on. So I've been using Ozone 5 since 2012. It has not let me down. <laughs> I'm also using multiband dynamics and the way I have these crossovers set, what I like to do is I will find where the fundamental frequency is in the vocal. And I'll put a crossover between that proximate fundamental frequency and then the, the next harmonic. The reason I do that is because I think it's really important that the fundamental frequency is as steady as possible. Like in this case, you could see that like, I'm limiting the crap out of it. I'm compressing it by a ratio of 10. I think that that is really important if you want a vocal to cut through the mix without it sounding like too boomy or too like hollow or too thin. Yeah, mm -hmm. you just compress. Yeah, I'm not actually saturating. Sometimes I'll saturate fundamental too, but yeah. I, I find it really important to pretty much just like brick wall limit your fundamental. <laughs> in a vocal. <laughs> Vocals are so different in the, sense, in the sense that they can filter in so many, there's just so dynamic on in multiple ways. Then pretty much I'm just multi-band compressing the other bands. Not as hard, obviously I'm not limiting it. I'm just compressing these by a ratio of uh, 1.3. Post EQ, cutting out a little bit of those mids. That's pretty much it on that. And then some more glue compressor. Pro R being re being automated in some, in some parts. Another EQA just to just to fit it better in the mix and then dimension expander to widen up a little bit more and then glue compressor again to just top it off. Honestly, I think this is a little excessive on my end. I wasn't as efficient back then as far as mixing went. Cool, so let's check out these drums. Another thing that I did though was I used this sample. It's a very, very old sample that I made. I made this back in my logic days and it's called Vacuum Kick. And I was trying to emulate like this pre-shift kick, like this pre-transient shifted kick sound that I heard in a Feed Me song a long time ago. His kicks were always like, had like this before them. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And so it's really just this really small layer combined with the kick. It changes how you perceive the kick in my opinion versus this one snare, which is made up of three layers. It's a um, kick two layer, which just sounds like this. A little doop, this old sample that I had, that I made a long time ago from Superior Drummer called Acoustic Snare 2, which doesn't really sound like anything special. And then, um, oh yeah, the Eon Snare. Funny enough, so yeah, this is from my Cell Dweller remix. So I know that you love to make your own kicks and your own snares and stuff like that, but it seems like the more projects that you and I do together, the more I see you kind of moving away from creating your kicks and snares inside of Operator, and now you're moving more towards kick two. Is that correct? Are you just, you're just loving that more? I flip-flop because they can do similar things. Kick two is a little more versatile, although it's more finicky as far as like, you can do a lot more with the curves. And sometimes I just really like the simplicity of just the limit, like the limitation of operators curves. 
Uh, sometimes I feel like I can get a better, harder sound with that. Lately, though, I've been using Serum for that stuff, like for synthesizing and sample manipulation. And I don't know why I have not used Serum for all of my drum sampling and processing before because it's ridiculous. But that's that'll be another that'll be for another time. I want to talk about this fully. <laughs> so this was another one where I was like chewing something and I recorded <laughs> it really close and then just like, compressed the crap out of it. I think there was also a vocoder on here when I originally made the sample. So it's that sound, which I thought was a really cool layer. And then it's the same sound again with the attack shifted. And then I'm using a grain delay on it. So you get like this craziness. What? So without grain delay, it sounds oh like gosh. this, which is still like Ooh, gnarly. Still this is what it sounds like without it transposed. Yeah, this is a lot of multiband compression, I think. That's you chewing. That's your mouth. Yeah, it's just me going like, that your that is spit smacking off your teeth, grinding That's my food. saliva in my face cavity. Yeah. <laughs> when other people's foley just isn't enough, you got to get your own saliva in there. Dude, I mean, when your microphone's right there, it's like I, I need I need some juicy foley. Like, you have it. You got it. You might as well use it. <laughs> Combining those two uh, those two sounds was something like this. The drum pattern is kick, and then that long foley sound kind of pre-shifting into this, into so it's like. I think it's cause yeah, I'm, I'm also filter automating. I'm filtering, I'm automating the frequency downward. So it's going just more dynamic effects. And then I also have a little snap in there somewhere. I think just this little, I don't even know where this came from, but I really like it. It's really clean, nice. crisp. The contact It's just a simple tops on a real kit. Uh, so yeah, I want to talk about this, th these, uh, these bases yeah. that are in here, because that's really the only thing that's different. These bases start coming in. They're low pass right now. I'm just going to fast forward through this section because this next section has more of the goodies, more exposed. Right here is where everything comes in. Yeah, so this has a couple things coming in. I'm gonna start with this bass here. So there's a lot of stuff going on. So without all of the processing, straight out of serum, it sounds like this. It's, it's not that exciting. It was something that I, I think, according to this preset name, it was a sound that I resampled from Harmer. This is an octave higher than the actual sub, just to keep in mind. That's why it sounded higher. What I did was I used a sine wave on Oscillator 2, and I'm using the ring mod from B, which is Oscillator 2. Ring mod at 50% is the same thing as amplitude modulation. You have your original sound, and how it's being modulated is, you can kind of think of it as the polarity being inverted depending on the modulator's waveform. At the zero crossing, in theory, you should have just the original wave. When you go to the peak, then it's like the original wave, and then you go to the zero point, then it's silent. And then when you go down to the trough of the modulator, inverts the polarity of the, the carrier waveform. And so when you turn it all the way up, you can get kind of like, like a squarey, odd harmonic -y sound. You can kind of mix between even and odd harmonics in a way. If you have your carrier set to an octave higher, having your modulator set to uh, you know the zero octave, and then ring modding it with just a sine wave, basically what it's doing is you're able to mix between your even and odd harmonics of the wave. And you can get some really cool texture and timbre by doing that. And so this kind of gave it like a more 
like throaty, guttural kind of like sawtooth wave sounding harmonics. And then high pass filter. That's what really gets up that growl going. Phaser, same thing. Modulating the frequency. Very subtle. Um, asymmetrical distortion with the pre-high-pass filter and the mix at 50 just to bring out more top end. EQ, pretty much doing the same thing. Just static EQ, bring out more top end. Multiband compressor. Then I run the whole thing through a sub crossover so that my uh, low end is totally unaffected, but the top end has all this filtering and reverb. So I have like a little bit of reverb, very short decay time to kind of give it some ambience. And then this stuff over here, this effect rack. Reese Madness with the <laughs> EQ. Oh automation. There is the chorus that's doing the flander filter. If I take that off, there's a lot of phasiness and like, it just feels like a much more organic sound by doing that kind of stuff. Also this reverb wet dry is being automated. So like at the, at the tails of these sounds, it's going from mono and dry sounding to like really spread and diffuse sounding. I like that. I'm using a, a static chorus as a comb filter. Basically, you initialize everything and set delay to to off because you don't want that to modulate. Turn the amount to zero, mess with the initial delay one's delay time, and then it's it's basically a comb filter that you can control yourself. And then I'm running a little bit of an uh, amp uh, at like 17%, and then just topping it off with another multiband dynamics. And then this other section here is just some saturation, more top and low end taming, and then some high mids and sub taming, and then top it off with a glue compressor. It's excessive, I know. That's how I did it back then. And then there's this little guy, this Neurodunk, <laughs> which combined sounds like a, a pretty complex thing, but... Like that sounds like there's a lot of stuff going on, but it's really not. It's just like this little thing that I made an operator without the amp, it sounds like. It's pretty simple. You yeah. Almost just like a whip. Yeah, it's just from this envelope on on the B operator. Without that. Yeah. Through the amp is really what gives that little crunch and then compress a little bit and then just add a separate sub. You know, cut out the sub of the original sound and then add the separate sub. And then combining the two, when you hawk at a sound like that, that's sort of like a percussive sounding sweepy bass. Also there is um pitch enveloping on it. So without the pitch enveloping it sounds like this. It really gives it some character. Combining those two things together in ways like, especially this part right here. You can just get like really complex grooves that are a lot simpler than they sound. The timbres of the sounds are pretty similar. Like they kind of have like a crunchy, rubbery, pitch bendy kind of effect to them. So I think they pair well. Then I have this sound that comes in, which is just a... It's actually just a dyad. It's not like a super saw stack or anything. It's a super saw, but it's just playing dyads. But I felt like that kind of hollowness and dyad is just a two note chord. I think what I did was I actually wrote out the full chords. And then I was like, let's just take out the, let's just take out the ones that don't actually give the chord its quality. The, the root and the fifth. This one is just the, actually. So this is the seventh and the ninth. This is the seventh and the ninth intervals of the bass line. I want it to sound jazzy, but not like dense, like super saw -y. Typical super saw stacks. <laughs> and so that effect is really just some pitch bend. Like you have, art me. 
This next part has some pretty cool foley. Nice little camera flash. So this is a, a flash bulb crackle. I think that was from that foley pack that I got from uh, Malden. And then there is this, I think I got this from Freesound. Freesound.org. Are you sure that's not your mouth as well? <laughs> no, I don't think it is. Have you ever tried using a grain delay on uh, waves before? I want to say oh, yeah, buddy. because I remember it sounding like it has like a lot of like mist and foam that comes out of it. If you fiddle with the time on there, on the, so it says time instead of sync, start to fiddle with that and I think either the pitch or the feedback, you could end up with these waves that actually sound like they're robotic. And if you put like some reverb on those or something like that, or like a delay, a ping pong delay, you kind of get these like robotic left and right. I would call them space waves. That's literally Ooh. my description of that. I want to try <laughs> this real quick. Yeah, so if you bring the pitch down to like negative 12, I think you start to get a little more. Ooh. And it's almost like, it sounds like filtered a bit, like, and using that as a second layer and like a bass sound or something as your stereo image. And then you can have something way more up in the, in the mono. And you just get this like wide full sound. It's really crazy. You get some crazy textures with that. I mean, already this is super cool. Freaking Nick. And then and if you put like a time delay, like a simple delay on that now, maybe. Whoa, even when you stop it. That's so cool. <laughs> Dude, thank you. Some of this other, other foley that's in here, this isn't really foley, but it's just like a vocal thing from a pack. This isn't actually Nori singing, I don't think. It's just the same sample pitch, two semitones apart from each other, and then just, I, I like to use the fade to gray and then some vintage verb. I'm auto pitch to make sure that the pitches on point. I also have something else down here. I didn't actually use this thing at all. So it's basically the same thing as the the, the first verse. Except with some kicks. Ooh, but then there's that like swell. This is the trippy drone sound. Take that camera flash and reverse it. Get a nice crackly thing. I used the sound of water pouring and then I threw a grain delay on that. Uh, and that kind of gave it like that. But then it had like the fizzy tail. These synths that come in are the same ones from the beginning, just like less filtered. And I'm using two macros and then this is to alter the cutoff. So it just opens up a little more. It's a little more lively and expressive. This next section, basically the same. I have these, this little keyboard line coming in. And I just thought that was a really nice layer over top of that part. This comes in. Over top of the rise in the next section. Here's the cool part. 
here. Oh yeah, I have some white noise that I'm just like uh, using fades on, just to, just to just to fill out some stuff. The synths. some cool stuff in here. The first thing is the epic contact keys. I, I was like, I, it needs some kind of like impact, but everything that I was trying was like, it just doesn't have enough like beef and low mids. Like it doesn't sound like serious enough. Uh, and so just like a high passed low, like a really low piano note, I think worked pretty well for an impact layer. Trippy drone is really finding its way everywhere. Although this was resampled into this sound. Which is basically the same thing that we used earlier, but just extended out. This is the actual chord with the full, the full stack. So this thing right here is just kind of like a sample medley of things that I've made. I didn't actually make these. I, I found these. I think this was from a virtual riot pack and then the chimes and then this like bass chirp really easy to overdo them because they just sound good everywhere because <laughs> they're like a percussive sound but they're also like a, a, a bass, bass. Yeah. so that combined with uh the, that little run there that little sequence combined with this trans pluck arp from elemental my elemental sample pack with some grain delay and reverb and then of course these serum chords evolving what's going on with the basses here this this is this is where the fun stuff happened let's see what this original stem was because this is a resampling so this is basically the baseline from the verse that i resampled out but i also did like uh, some modulation and note changes in the beginning right here and I, was I like, really like that triplet LFO. I think that's just an auto pan, actually. There's an auto pan in there. That was right about there. I was trying to experiment before I made this drop. I didn't really know how I wanted it to sound. I wanted it to kind of be like the verse, but like more intense. So I was like, man, I can't figure out a cool riff with just MIDI. So I just resampled it to audio and then I just did some stuff to it, which <laughs> I'll, I'll go through. So. <laughs> So there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff going on, and really, it's all just this one big rack that I called AU5 Base Effector. <laughs> I made this a long time ago. This was before I actually like actually I haven't used this in a long time. This is a pretty much a multi multi effects macro, as you can see. Pretty much get unlimited amounts. You can exceed eight if you put effects rack in an effects rack. So what I have going on here is I have an LFO and auto pan on here, and that lets me change the amplitude. So I can actually bypass these and I could show you what some of these do. So uh, yeah, let me just turn all this stuff off. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna loop this part right here. So I have an LFO am uh, amplitude. And I can I can adjust the LFO sync rate, which is pretty simple stuff. It's just auto pan put in there. I have grain mix because I have grain delay on there, and then I'm also able to change the grain pitch and the grain size to tune it to like a specific frequency. So like in this case, I think what is it 34.6 hertz if i change the grain size 
size, I can... I think 37 or 38 hertz is the E-flat, but... As you can hear, you can do some crazy formant shifting stereo stuff with the grain delay. If you want to see what that looks like, it's just like the frequency and the pitch and the wet dry, really. And then I have metal mix and metal tune. And this is a corpus, which I set to oh, just on plate mode. Make sure you're using full resolution because otherwise it's going to sound dull. Uh, plate mode, and then I'm just macroing the tune. So that can give you some really cool uh, metallic edge to your basses, like. <laughs> Squash, which is really just like a mid-side OTT. A, a mid-side OTT, you say? Check out, the, check out the course. Check out the school based. Uh, vocoder, vocoder mix, which I think is the, yep, yeah, it's the mid-band vocoder thing. I have a vocoder on the mid-band. Uh, I have some random notches in the filter bank. And then this is where I can mix the vocoder in. Dry wet on the vocoder, being modulated, being mapped to this. Yeah, if you, if you have just like a simple bass stem and if you make something like this, you just have a bunch of knobs that you can use to like make it way more interesting. If it's not already interesting enough, I mean like you can just take one sound and make a whole drop out of just using this. I've sort of what I did as far as the bass goes. And then it goes into the dark section. Oh uh, yeah, and the, 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 I guess the last part of this drop is really just these little vocal bips. So this is really just done from... Yep, auto and high pass. One question I had that I was going to ask is that I see in a lot of the, your projects that there's very, very many deactivated clips in terms of your, like, your method of your creation of these drops. So I seem like you, do you get to a certain point where you think that there's just too much going on and that's where you can kind of start to like almost like you're, you're sculpting at yeah. this point, right? So is that kind of where you see yourself doing what you see yourself doing in a lot of your projects? It totally is. Um, but thanks for bringing that up because I didn't even think about that as far as like the compositional process. I mentioned this in, I think, Arise in the DAW and the Only in a Dream in the DAW episodes where how I arrange things is I'll start with like the first bar and then repeat mm -hmm. that, tweak, and then take that whole section and then repeat that and then tweak that and then usually the turnarounds is where there's going to be some kind of change up instrumentation wise it's sort of similar here this stuff here is muted because i pretty much copied and pasted this entire section over to this drop to try to get a start on it and then i just started getting really subtractive resampled the neurobass sound and then started cutting that up for instance like this I decided to take out stuff uh, to take out this clip here because I wanted this stuff to ring through. I didn't want just a constant legato sub going through. I wanted to really break right. it up more. And I do that a little bit more in this section here, which we'll get to. My process is like I'll create like a four bar line and then I'll hear different variations of change ups within there. And so what I'll do is I'll before I take anything out, I'll start adding layers and stuff to it. And then I can take this out because these new additions take the torch. It's kind of like doing a lot of unmasking. Yeah, like exactly. Of, of certain instruments. I just, I find it interesting to be just because like usually in a producer mindset, like you start hearing something for too long. You're like, oh, it doesn't sound as good anymore. You and then you start adding stuff really easy to start getting cluttered. It's like you're taking a direct 
active approach to counteract that, which is really interesting because your mixes do sound very clean, I would say. And it's like nothing is really in the way of each other. And that's pretty much like you're getting the most impact out of the least amount of things. Saying as much as possible with the least amount of words as possible. And I really like it's like optimization. And I really like that concept as a whole. And I think a lot of that can be applied to music. And especially for people like me who have the tendency to just like layer way too much stuff and just add more stuff because it's like I get bored of stuff so fast. I need my ears need to hear more. And I I'm always wearing these headphones or listening through my HSAs and everything is just so clean and I can hear everything that I'm putting down and I'm just like I totally lose a sense of how the end user is going to perceive it it's important for me to to backtrack and be like what is really essential in this part like I want it to change up but why does it like maybe it doesn't need to have this thing that has been repeating layered on top of that I hear a lot of novice producers who it sounds like they are trying to make stuff too big and too full too soon and you kind of have to get used to hearing things really dynamic and not super maxed out like all of the reference tracks that you're listening to because it's going to get to that point you want to keep it pretty minimal and pretty dynamic you don't want to have extra layers that aren't necessary musically because they're not just filling out the track they're just adding more noise to the track it's an acquired thing to know what's going to sound big without it actually sounding big yet like, I don't like producing with anything on my master chain. Although, I mean, this has stuff on here for when I rendered the master. When I turn all that stuff on, then it's like, wow, okay, now it sounds as big as I was imagining it sounding. In a way, you kind of have to let your ears lower their tolerance of what sounds big. You can carve out the space for the right sounds. And then at the very end, then you can really crank it. And then it's like, wow, okay. it's so big and it's so clear at the same time. Something that I also do during the mixing process sometimes too is I'll put a gain on my master and you know as the rise of the song goes from the start of the rise to the drop i will reduce the gain by like two or three db sometimes i'll reduce the tops and lows sometimes i'll reduce the sides and make it more mono just so that when the drop hits it's really like there's a really serious contrast it really can transform a song just doing that and it's a subliminal thing because it happens very s gradually two to uh, three db eh? sometimes that much but it's important wow. to do that before your limiter you're probably gonna be clipping and also when like when you look at the waveform i don't know i just don't like the look of like a waveform actually like getting smaller <laughs> i like i like the look of a waveform like being more dynamic still maxed out but having more spaces that contrast is crucial and i think it's something that's uh, pretty often overlooked the worst thing is having a rise that's louder than your drop <laughs> Especially in the live setting, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, so these drums, let's see what's going on here. It's just the, the low pass kick and the snap. I got some extra Foley going on here. This is funny. So I have the camera flash bulb and then I have a thing called pretzel stick set down. <laughs> and it's this, uh, with like a little whip sound that it's just like a, just, just like a pre-shift for the, the kick, I guess. Not crunchy enough. And jewelry necklace set down. Is that a beer can? Oh, beer my. can opener. <laughs> Clothes ru rustling. Cloth ripping. Telephone busy signal. Did I pitch this? Yeah, I pitched it so it matched the key a little bit better. <laughs> and more pretzels. Some more jewelry. Beer cans. Cloth. 
telephone, you know, all that stuff you find in your house <laughs> and apparently under under the water in this context. Combined, I, I thought they all sounded really cool, like, because they're organic sounds. It's like they trigger a part, a part of our brain that's like, oh, it's familiar. And so I feel like that kind of makes it a more visceral f effect instead of it just being purely synthesized. That's why I like Foley in general, just because it's like, it's more visceral. It adds a human effect to it that lets people connect to the song a little more i think too like even if people don't recognize what it is it's it's like an instinctive response it's like that's a sound that is ingrained in our culture for so many years that it has more power to it than just the fact that it's a sound it's familiar on a subliminal level and it connects with people better and then i also have these are the same things as these ice bells oh steam pipe wow i haven't seen this guy in a while i think this is just some preset without the filter it sounds like this it's so beautiful that doesn't even sound bad on its own either yeah if i turn off the valhalla vintage verb and the ping pong and the eq this is what it sounds like dry The vintage verb really gives it atmosphere. Yeah, <laughs> cut out some of that low percussive noise and then uh, ping pong. If anyone wants to see what the MIDI is, it's pretty simple. Oh yeah, I think this entire bass line is really just this neuro donk. And then I also have this little thing here. Oh yeah. This little growly guy. This is just a super saw. Yeah, it's just a 16 voice super saw. Take out the fundamental, hit, you know, wave to the FFT, take out the fundamental, uh, add your own sub, use the direct out. So that way you can get like a fat super saw with the solid sub, low, low pass filtering, ramping up, accentuate that more. Saturate. Reverb doesn't do anything. I think that's for the end of the song. Yeah, let's move on to the next part. Yeah, this is where that drone bass uh, really shines. machine gun <laughs> and a desk bell i don't know i was just really having a lot of fun with this foley i was like let's just fill up the whole last part with foley and make it work this next section is pretty much the same as the previous section except the halftime drop some extra foley we got these guys what are these this is some kind of like stretched something. It's just such a cool sound. I wish I could explain what the original source sound was, but I honestly have no idea where this came from. Let me see if I could find it in my browser. Yeah, I don't know, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm using the bass effector and then some um, texture warp grain stretching to get those like 
Definitely sounds like I'm using grain delay or Ubic G in there for the like top end metallic-iness. I don't think there's really much else to the song. I added uh, this sub boom. I felt like there was too much legato ton tonality in the bass itself. So I thought the sub boom, that was another one of those instances where I, I like took out an element and then added another element. I think just like a noise like something, an atonal boom sometimes sounds really cool. Hocket it in with the basses because it's like, it fills it out, but it's like, oh, that's not a note. Um, I'm also at Foley. If you're Toy Gun Foley in there, the way it slows down with it actually just hits on the one like perfectly. Yeah. It seems like the timing. So, oh yeah, I used the transpose and detune to get that like right. Yeah, hitting like right on the beat. Like, <laughs> adds more atmosphere and then. Yeah, I mean, then the last bit is like the same, same as the intro, except we have um, the, uh, the ice bell lead. We'll let whoever's watching this listen to the full song. Hey, Daw Nation, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of In The Daw with AU5, breaking down his song Swordfish, which is currently an unreleased track. If you found anything in this episode that was helpful to you, go ahead and take a screenshot right now and tag me in an Instagram story at In The Daw, Behind The Daw, and tell me what concepts really, really helped you out this week. Also, feel free to tag at AU5 underscore official as well. And Daw Nation, if you want to see more episodes like this where we break down more glitch hop style tracks, then make sure to leave a comment below. And I would also encourage you to check out our Behind the Daw podcast that focuses more on the emotional, philosophical, artistic, and business side of music. For example, last week we released a Behind the Daw episode with AU5 that I have been receiving non-stop positive feedback on. In that episode, we talk about what the full potential looks like for a music producer in this day and age. So go ahead, go check that out. You can find it over here on the Daw Nation YouTube channel. You can also go and find it on any podcasting app. And Daw Nation, if you want to take your sound design skills to a whole new level, then make sure to check out the AU5 and In the Daw course called The School Base. In this sound design course, we have over 20 hours of videos that are showing you extremely unique sound design techniques that AU5 and I have gathered over the last 15 years. It also includes a ridiculously huge amount of effects racks, instrument racks, project files, things of this nature. We have a bunch of bonuses. There's so much content in this. I'm telling you, it's like absolutely unreal. But Don Nation, I do need to let you know that we are going to stop enrollment to the school base. It was initially going to stop on October 31st, 2019, but I had this huge outcry from a bunch of the members in Don Nation just email after email, DM after DM saying, please give us one more month, one more month. And so I'm going to extend that to the end of November. So now we have to the end of November, but at the end of November, it is going to come down for the rest of the year. The reason why is because we are creating more and more content. We're going to be fixing stuff. We're going to be changing stuff on the back end with the website because originally it was supposed to close down on October 31st. But like I mentioned, there are so many people that outcry. And so I am extending it to November 30th, but you got to understand that it, it won't matter 
or the amount of uh, emails and DMs I get after that, it is going to come down on November 30th. And I'd highly encourage you to hop on that right now because the price points are going to shoot up. We'll no longer have the $47 per month price point. The subscription model is going to stop. And so there is only going to be the full lifetime access price. Uh, currently it is at $247, but once we come back, it is going to be much more than that. So I'd highly encourage you, if you want to hop on it right now, to lock your place into the school base and be able to get all the future content that comes out with it, then I would highly encourage you to hop on that price right here, right now. So if you're interested in that, then go ahead and go over to courses.inthedaw.net. That is courses.inthedaw.net. And of course, if you're still on the fence about it, you're not quite sure if the school base is right for you, you can always take our free version of the school base. Of course, you can find that over on courses.inthedaw.net as well. But Daw Nation, I really hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of In The Daw. And if you did, again, go ahead and let me know down in the comments or by tagging me on an Instagram story at In The Daw Behind The Daw. But Daw Nation, I hope you have a great day and I'll see you back here in two weeks when we release our next episode of In The Daw, where we have Unlike Pluto breaking down his song, Everything Black.